Hello, thank you for listening to this sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allow you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. Good morning. Good to see each every one of you. Thanks so much for being here. Uh, great to see the kids. I just I love it. And uh, I remember that feeling as a parent, you know, when your kid was one of the younger ones and you're just like, this is not how you practiced it. Come on. great though and so much of that uh, is just exactly that whatever they do that day is what's so special and uh, just so appreciative of our children and thanks for each of you for all of your hard work you guys did a fantastic job thank you thank you we all really enjoyed that and I want to take a moment just to thank Jen and and uh, Pam are they in here did they leave there's Pam okay and so I uh, just want to thank them and, uh, and all the time and effort that they put into that. Uh, a lot of practice, a lot of effort, and, and uh, we're so appreciative. We are benefactors of all your hard work. Thank you. Um, don't worry, this big book, I'm not preaching from this today. It's okay. It, and some of you might be worried. I just thought it would be easier for me to read from it than me to try to write it down. But I want to read from concerning uh, joy. Uh, our whole theme this this year has been uh, walking in joy, and uh, these four weeks during December, we're talking about Christmas joy, Christmas joy. Last week, we talked about uh, joyful, joyful, we adore thee, and adoring God. Today, we want to talk about repeatable joy, all right? And so, uh, there's a song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, uh, where it says, rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel. Right? Rejoice, rejoice. You see that phrase often, multiple times. And uh, we see that taken from the book of Philippians. So if you have your Bible, you can turn there with me. Um, we're going to look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. And then we're going to reference a few other verses here um, this morning. As you're turning there, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, we'll have it up on the screen and show you a few other verses. But uh, let's go to Lord in prayer. And um, commit this time to him. Lord, we're just so thankful that you've given us uh, this opportunity to gather in this place. And Lord, we are so grateful and thankful for our children. Lord, what a joy it is to see them. Um, Lord, just sharing of the gifts that you've given them. Lord, to be able to hear them sing. And Lord, to, to get the message that they were communicating to us. Lord, um, it, it really is all about Jesus. It's about God, you coming from heaven, leaving, uh, leaving heaven and coming to us, Emmanuel. And we are so grateful for that. We pray that you bless our time as we dig into the word here a little bit, as we spend a little time. I pray that you would just help us to, to focus and be able to pay attention in that, that sense where we're not just going to be hearers this morning, but that we'll listen to the word and we'll be doers of it. And so we pray that you would have an impact on our heart. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 says this. Paul writes, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. He said earlier in the chapter, or earlier in his letter to the church in Philippi, he said in chapter 3, verse 1, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. And so we see this phrase multiple times in a short period of time. And so it led me to ask the question, well, what does it mean to rejoice? All right, we've been talking about joy. What does it mean to rejoice? So, of course, I pull out uh, 
uh, Webster Dictionary from not uh, the 2000s, but from 1828. Uh, it's not that old, as you can see, it's new binding, but uh, I find it helpful because it kind of goes back to that old way of thinking. And yes, I might be a little young, but I am an old at uh, old soul, they call it. Uh, and so uh, Webster wrote this in 1828 about rejoice. He wrote, to experience joy and gladness in a high degree, to be exhilarated with lively and pleasurable sensations, to exalt. He also writes this, to make joyful, to gladden, to animate with lively, pleasurable senses, to exhilarate. We see this, uh, it's mentioned several times uh, about wisdom. The, the writer Solomon puts it in the book of Proverbs several times that, that Webster even goes to and talks about. Um, he talks about uh, Psalms, references Psalm 9 and, and rejoicing in God's salvation. And uh, just, it's a neat tool to be able to have because our language and where we stand and the definitions for how we define things. Uh, ultimately, I love it because it goes back to the scriptures. It goes back to the word. And so this idea of being filled with joy and gladness and even to shout. And I love to hear in our kids just singing out and belting it. And uh, they didn't care. They, they weren't worried about how uh, you might critique them or whether they were going to get candy afterwards or getting rotten apples or tomatoes thrown at them. Uh, that didn't bother them. They just, in the fullness of their joy of being able to share that, they rejoiced. I wonder about us as, as adults. How do we rejoice? And Paul is reminding the church there several times throughout this letter, rejoice, 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 which means it's probably something that we all struggle with. I don't know about you, but it's funny how when I go to teach my children something, it's usually something that I'm working on, all right? To bring this message to you, um, we were running around crazy this morning because trying to fill in different things, and there's always a lot of moving pieces and moving parts, but it was almost like God had to stop me at some point, and he said, hey, wait a minute, Aaron, what are you preaching on today? And I'm like, oh. I don't need to hear that right now, right? It's like your wife telling you exactly what you know you need to hear, but you don't want to hear. It's like, I know you're right, but I can't admit it to you right now. Well, the fact is we need to be reminded over and over again about this true fact that we have a great opportunity to rejoice. Joy repeatable. I love what, uh, what the gospel of John tells us in John 16, verse 20. Jesus is explaining to his disciples, those who are closest to him, he has to go. He, he's, he's ultimately, he's going to leave them and he's going to die. And, he, and he, he expresses it in this way in John chapter 16. I thought I could read it up there. I can't read it up there. I'm getting old. I'm sorry. So John 16 uh, verse 20. It says this, truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. Let me pause there for a second. What's he talking about? He's talking about the coming of, of his uh, crucifixion. Listen, you, my closest friends, you're going to weep and you're going to lament. 
And yet everybody around is going to be celebrating because he will be dead. This one who has classified himself as the Messiah will be defeated ultimately in these people's eyes. Jesus is going to be dead. But Jesus doesn't leave it there. He continues. He says, the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. I love that because only Jesus can take sorrow and lament and turn it to joy. We celebrate at Christmas God's coming to earth. And I always remember a good friend of mine and mentor, Newt Larson, would always tell me, um, he said, Aaron, we, we need more of Christmas and Easter and more of Easter and Christmas. And this is it. As we remember Christ coming uh, as a baby, ultimately that sorrow and lament in his crucifixion was turned to joy because Jesus rose from the dead. He died, but he rose from the dead, conquering sin and death. And he appeared before his disciples in what was their sorrow now turned to great joy. What about for you and for us? I have this, uh, this little tool. My family, we've, we like go camping. And one of the things that always happens, and maybe this has happened to you when you go camping, is it rains. All right. Uh, how many? Yeah, I won't ask for hands, but some of you stopped camping. You told me because it, every time you went out, it rained. Uh, well, we still go out and sometimes we put uh, these canopies up. Uh, some of them are easy ups and it seems like every easy up that I get anymore seems to blow away and break. Uh, so I have stopped buying them. We just get wet. But we have this big garage. It's uh, just a white garage. It's, uh, and so we put our picnic tables under them so that we can eat even if it's raining, and it's really solid. Um, but back a few years ago, we had it. I set it up out over here for uh, a picnic that our church enjoyed and so that we could be under that and underneath the pavilion just provided more uh, kind of relief from the sunshine and the heat. We said, oh, should we take it down? I said, nah, we'll get it later. And so we went to fireworks that night over in Fairlawn and, and, uh, and that Sunday evening and during that night, a storm came up and uh, just blew through Fairlawn. And actually, uh, it was reported that a tornado had come through. And so we were driving. We were actually stuck in Walmart parking lot because that's where we would always go to watch them. And uh, as these great winds were coming through, uh, uh, we were just there in our vehicles and praying and hoping and <laughs> just kind of that hopeless feeling, right? Well, I knew the tent had been set up over here still, the garage. And so I thought, hmm, wonder what that's going to look like. So as we drove home, we came by. And to my great delight, there was my tent. But it wasn't set up anymore. And in fact, those tubes were wrapped around trees. <laughs> and all of it was just scattered and ripped and just to shreds. Um, the storm had come and it just blew it all away. Uh, we didn't have these really good anchors. In fact, we just had uh, the little anchors that, that kind of look like that from here up. That just are posts that you just kind of pound in and, you know, like a nail that just goes in the ground. And you think, oh, that'll hold it, right? Well, we've gotten smarter over the years. And uh, there's something really cool on the end of this one. And uh, they've uh, they've... And reinforced this post so that when you go, when you put it in, 
as you twist it in, it turns itself much like a screw and it, it solidifies into the base. And we've had a lot of strong winds and a lot of storms that have come across uh, while we go camping. And while even the frames of our stuff may break, nothing pulls uh, this out. It's, it's really solid. And as I was thinking about this, uh, just the reminder that Paul has given us to rejoice. Again, I tell you to rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. It reminded me of having a good anchor. And uh, a lot of times... I just use that little post, that little nail, and try to anchor it in and walk away and say, okay, yeah, I know the truth of God's word. It's good. God, I know you're good. But when the storms arise, when things and challenges come, and they always will, life happens because we live in a sinful, fallen world, a, a difficult world. In fact, uh, we, we see in Paul writes in Corinthians about how even our bodies and the earth groan because of what we experience each and every day. So regardless of where you're at, you say, well, I can't rejoice. I, I just challenge you in these three areas. I think this is where we struggle with. And I think as we look at what Paul's writing here in Philippians, we have to be careful because oftentimes we, we base our joy on our circumstances. What's our circumstances look like? If my team's winning, I'm happy, Right? which a lot of us are depressed lately. No, I'm just teasing. We can't base it on our circumstances. We can't say, oh, well, everything's going well, so I have this great joy in my life. A lot of times that's how we function, though. We function basing our joy on our circumstances. Or what about this? We focus our joy, it's found in people. In people. Oh, if I could only find the right woman. She'll make me happy for the rest of my life. Don't get me wrong. My wife is extraordinary. All right? Thanks, Zach, for whistling for your mom. I love my wife. I get on her nerves more than she gets on my nerves. But she can't provide every source of joy for me. I have some great friends. I have a we have great church, but we can't base our joy or anchor our joy in people. Because why? People fail us. People make mistakes. I make mistakes. You make mistakes. All of us fail. And so if we base our joy upon people, we're going to be let down. Paul writes about some people who let him down. Paul writes this to rejoice in the Lord always from a, a circumstance of being in jail. He's imprisoned for standing in his faith in Jesus. So our circumstances and our people can't be what we anchor our joy in, nor can it be in things. I think I've told this story oftentimes about how I just, we were newly married and I thought, you know what, as a youth pastor, I really needed a paintball gun. That was going to be the best way that I could minister to people. If I had a paintball gun, we could do more ministry better. And God provided that paintball gun and I used it twice and it's still sitting on my shelf in the basement. Things don't bring us those joy. 
the joy that we can anchor our life on because things rust and, and people steal them and they, they just burn out. They break the things that you were once so excited about probably are sitting on a shelf or you've given it to Salvation Army. And yet every year about this time, we make a list of things that we think, oh, my life will be a little bit better if I have this. So be careful on your wish list that you're not looking to anchor your joy into those things. Because those things will never produce the kind of joy that you were made to experience. So whatever challenges, whatever trials, whatever hardships come, we're called to anchor ourselves into one who is unmovable. That's why when you look at the verse, when Paul says this, he says, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. It's a reminder for us today. Enjoy this holiday season. Enjoy one another. Enjoy the circumstances. Enjoy the things. But if you find your real joy in those things, you're going to be uprooted. There's one thing where we can drive our stake into that can turn in and twist. And that one never moves. He never changes. He's always the same. He's always good. Regardless of our circumstances. Regardless of the people that come in life. Regardless of the things that we have or don't have. There's one that is always the same that we can trust in. Put your stake in him. Jesus. Jesus. Because that's where our joy can come from. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I encourage you. Today is the day. He provides hope. He provides healing. He provides a forgiveness of your sin. He's the only way that you can have an eternity in heaven. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Only through Jesus can you come to God. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. The Bible tells us that. And he invites you as a free gift. A gift that will transform your life. A gift where you can anchor your heart and your soul into. So that regardless of what takes place in your life, you're always anchored in. Jesus. He offers that to you. Do you know him? Have you trusted in him? Is he your savior and Lord? If you've trusted him as savior, let me remind you, where's your anchor at? All right. Don't set your tent up, <laughs> walk away and think, hmm, it's okay. It's all good. I've got a good life. Everything's going well. Cause let me tell you, things can change quickly. Your circumstances, the people around you, and the things of life. There's no doubt they will change. Where's your anchor? Be reminded that today we can rejoice. Rejoice because of what Jesus has done. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to be reminded here of 
of the joy that we need to be reminded that our joy truly comes in a relationship with you. It's in the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray for anyone who's sitting here now who has not yet accepted Jesus as their Savior. Or maybe they've walked away from him. Lord, that they would, as they've heard these words, they would be reminded that they need that anchor. They need the one who can give them true joy. The one that doesn't change. The one who is in control of all things. The one who created us and placed us here. So if that's you, would you pray and trust Jesus as your Savior? Ask him to forgive you of your sin. To come into your life, to be your Lord. Do you believe that he died on the cross, was buried, and rose again three days later, conquering sin and death? The one who gives us hope? The one who gives us joy? Lord, for those of us who have placed our faith and trust in Jesus, as we live throughout this day and the rest of our days here on this earth, and especially this week as we look ahead, Lord, may it truly be reflected in the way that we think and the way that we live out our lives. The way we talk, just our body language, Lord, may repeatable joy be before us, rejoicing that we know a God who owns the universe. Rejoicing and knowing that he sent his son so that we could know him and spend eternity together with him forever. That we can rejoice regardless of our circumstances or the people or the things that may fail us or let us down. That you're always the same. That even in the midst of trials and hardships, we can count it all joy. Because we know the God who is in control of our life. So help us stay anchored to the unmovable one. Help us continue to be in your word, to meditate on it day and night. That we may gain great strength and wisdom and knowledge. But also, Lord, that we may walk with your spirit. Hand in hand, walking obediently, allowing you to guide us and to lead us. So that we may even shout. How great it is that we have a God who loves us. We pray this in the precious name of our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen.